Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, a sports card podcast with two collectors from opposite sides of New York City. Craig and Carmine share sports card stories from the perspective of a teacher and broadcaster. This is Crosstown Cardboard. Welcome to Crosstown Cardboard, episode four. I'm Carmine at Carmine's Cards. And on the other side of New York City for me on Long Island is Craig at New York City Sports Cards. He's the teacher. I'm the broadcaster. And today's episode number four is called Card Show Setup, How to Act Right. And act by right. the way, act right. And by the way, this is just our opinion on how to act right. Of course, you can act right in a different way. You could think we're acting wrong, but this is just our gauge on uh you know, the etiquette at a card show, if you're a dealer, if you're a customer, just walking the tables and uh, kind of how that whole situation shakes out. So thanks, everybody, for if this is your first episode, you know, hanging out with us, me and Craig just kind of goof around and hopefully offer a little bit of uh, sports card takes and knowledge and opinions. And uh, or if this is your first time hanging out with us, you know, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming back. If not. So, Craig, first of all, we're both dressed in our New York outfits. Yours is almost a, a Halloween costume. If you're not watching on the Crosstown Cardboard YouTube, he's got a an old school Bernard King, Walt Frazier-esque New York Knicks warm up with uh, the lapel. I mean, what's going on? What's the story behind that outfit? You're so spot on because this is what I wore to school for Halloween. And that's why I have it out still. And one of my coworkers actually said, okay, I see you, Bernard King. But (laughs) there is a matching, this is like a a 1980s type retro Knicks jacket, but where I got this from. So Tobias Harris, who's a forward on the 76ers, is a childhood friend of mine. Okay. So for my bar mitzvah, when I turned 13, Tobias gifted me this Knicks jumpsuit. No way. is actually matching pants to go with it, but you don't need to see my bottom right now. So I'm not going to wear the pants, but this is from a clothing company called Unique All-Stars and Tobias's dad owns the company. So he gifted me a Knicks jumpsuit and here I am 17 years later, still fits great. That is sick. Are you still, you know, once in a while checking in with Toby? I was at his wedding this summer. So all the Sixers were there. That was a good time. That's, uh, That's a conversation for another day. I didn't get a chance to talk cards with any of the 76ers didn't seem like the time and place. Yeah. You're like, can you sign my, uh, I'll probably put that away for now, <laughs> but Carmen, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I uh, wanted to reveal here on the pod that I took a next level up in my card uh, journey and I'll be setting up at the San Francisco card show. So just about an hour and a half plane flight, me and my girlfriend are going to make a trip out of it. We're going to fly in Saturday morning. It's only an hour and a half flight, like I said, from here in Southern Oregon. Set up Saturday, do the whole show, and then Sunday, see the sights, and then Monday morning, pop back here. And uh, so that'll be a great one. There's supposed to be 250 tables. And you're set so, up. Yeah, so I'm setting up. Yeah. Very and nice. At the South San Francisco Conference Center, if anybody wants to come, Spud Webb will be there. So that's uh, opening. Is is that where he's opening the box of 86 Fleer? You know, I don't know. It could be I because that's a thing. there's a big I'm picturing, reveal. I'm picturing a promo video of you at the show with E40 in the background. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just just the San Francisco music reference, but nice, no, dude. No. I love it. You're you're gonna you're gonna crush it. I got no doubt. We'll see. Yeah, I'm interested to see like if stuff like this Tiger or the Dennis Rodman like higher three and four figure cards will be more movable. And then you know I'll film some stuff there for the podcast, and then of course bring back you know my opinion of how it went and uh that'll be in two weekends that's november 12th saturday okay. is when i'll be there so if you're in the bay area or if you're coming in that's the week after the dallas card show so uh and then you know the nashville card show was just recently a lot of big stuff going on even though you know you might see the prices of cards going down a little bit uh depending on what market you're looking at it seems like these big shows are still going strong so i'm interested to see the first big show that I set up at really, I mean, I did set up in Portland, but we'll see what uh, is to come of this. And it ties into our topic of how to act right. So Craig, we wanted to jump into some of the etiquette of, uh, you know, being a dealer or, or some things that we've noticed about sports card shows and, and the interaction and how it should go. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about this. Um, I feel good today. I feel loose. I had a yoga class a couple hours ago, so I'm feeling like a PSA Zen. Um, but let's get to it. Oh my God. How long were you waiting to drop that line? I came up with that joke about two hours ago, tested it out on my wife based on her cringe level. I'm like, yep, this is a go. Hey, cringe is good. The healthy cringe is sometimes good. Oh, but before we jump into the uh the PSA Zen, pickups? we want to talk about some of our pickups. So what did cool. you what did you pick up recently? Some cards that you wanted to show off. So a couple small soccer ones, just the players I like. Nice, uh, nice liquid cards. We got a, a second-year select Neymar in his Brazil uniform in a, a silver. So 2016 select silver PSA 10. Nothing crazy. Okay. Nice and simple. And a Erling Holland 2020-2021 Tops Chrome Pink X-Fractor in a CSG 10. I kind of like the CSG case. Just, okay. again, players I like. Graded a 10, nice and liquid. Good to have inventory with the World Cup coming up. And uh, yeah, just a right. couple cool ones. My, uh, I had a cool flip, though, that I think you'll appreciate. Okay. When I was at uh, Cards and Coffee, which is the card show extension of Bleecker, a few weeks back, I found this Kevin Knox 1819 Contenders Championship ticket in a BGS 9.5, a true one of one. And rookie, it's kind of one of those... Rookie? Rookie year or yes, that is his rookie okay. year. And it's kind of one of those one of ones where if there wasn't a one of one stamp on it, it kind of just looks like any other insert. So it was labeled $10. I'm friends with the guys there. So I'm like, oh, I just found this one of one for 10 bucks. They're like, yeah, we must have missed that. So $10 picked up a, a Kevin Knox true one of one. It's got the one of one stamp on it. And I listed it on eBay for seven day auction, got 50 bucks quick uh, 5x profit right there. But I was able to sell a Knicks one of one as I'm in my Knicks jumpsuit. And I picked up a new Knicks one of one last night. Uh, oh, NY boy. Giants Rarities on Instagram had a story sale and he was posting a bunch of one of ones, shields, cool patches. And this one caught my eye and brought a whole bunch of nostalgia. If you're a Knicks fan, I know you know David Lee. One of yes. the I used to go to David Lee camps all the time. He actually knew my name once upon a time because I was one of the better players at the David Lee camps. Humble brag, huh? So this um, David Lee was one of the bright 
spots in some tough Knicks years, but this is a 2009-2010 Timeless Treasures game-worn laundry tag. You see the 06-07. That was like right when uh, he was early on in the Knicks, putting up 2010 every night. And <laughs> just like just like the Kevin Knox, this is a true 101. Wow. That's a game cool Game-worn. One. The type of card that, you know, I like picking up unique Knicks stuff, and this definitely fits the mold of that. I don't know how many people out there would be interested in this card, but it's it's for my PC. This brings me back to my good days as a Knicks fan. So this is 2009, 2010, Timeless Treasures, David Lee, game-worn laundry tag, numbered one out of one. Just a cool one for the Knicks PC. That's, a, that's an awesome pickup, bro. Good for you. Talk to me about yours. Okay, I will. And by the way, I know Craig's a little bit blurry on his end uh, with the technology, but we'll get some photos and we'll – overlay them across the video for people who are uh you know wondering they want to see the david lee magic which by the way i don't know if you remember in the rookie and sophomore game when david lee was a sophomore he went 15 for 15 in that game incredible performance it was just i'm assuming it was a bunch of layups i think he might have thrown a couple mid-range in there but yeah he, was, yeah, he yeah. had a little midi midi but he, he was did. southpaw yes yes okay. exactly and people from new york they must be loving this other people Maybe not, but hey, guess what? If you are a Chicago viewer, we have this Zach Levine cornerstones game used patch on card auto at a 25. So that's one of my recent pickups. Cornerstones is an underrated product. I always like the look of patches. Yeah, and especially if they're game used. As our uh, our few faithful listeners know through four episodes, we love game used. How about this Randy Moss kaboom? I picked up. And it has the print line that a lot of these kabooms have. So I don't know if I'll grade it, but um, still looks good in that, a one touch. It looks good. Yeah. Um, I picked up this one. You might like this. Uh, the game. I saw uh, that. Hate it or love it. Nice. Very nice. nice uh, game reference. And it's numbered one out of three. I love Sweet. these pop centuries. I'm always trying to pick up these. I think. Uh... We could do a whole episode on, on this on how uh, like alternate type autographs, game worn stuff, rappers, actors would be super cool, and I think resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, hitting a different market. I'm looking at a uh, Courtney Kardashian rookie mm. auto right now that I might make a move on uh, because my girlfriend forces me to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I figured maybe that could be a bridge. Don't act you know? like you don't like it. The drama is good. The drama is good. And Scott Scott Disick's uh, dry humor is pretty funny. Yeah. Here's another one, which I feel like is almost like anti, like I don't know if I should be wearing a Yankees Babe Ruth jersey while holding up this card, which is the big unit, Randy Johnson, ultimate collection numbered at a 30, game used patch, auto, sticker auto, but it's a BGS 9.5. And uh, pretty cool three color game used patch there. You know what I like um, about that one? His yes. his signature I always liked. Very distinct. Something about it. It's almost like he yeah. uh he's got he's got great penmanship. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Randy Randy Johnson. He's got a hundred mile power fastball and great penmanship. Hey, it's a it's uh what was the wedding crashers reference you made? Uh built for speed or for comfort. See, and he's both. <laughs> so here's so here's we'll, we'll go with it. I try to work it in. Sometimes it doesn't work, but you have to try. And here's the last one that I picked up. Swing and a miss, like a lot of Randy Johnson's batters that he faced, as you were. 
Exactly. I just whiffed, but here's a home run with uh, Magic Johnson and Derrick Rose, dual auto, and it's uh, Magic Johnson's all-rookie team, numbered out of 39. So kind of cool. From, is that from Topps Treasury? This is Top certified. Oh, wait, no. Here we go. Top. Yes, you're right. You're an expert. Again. Top's treasury. You know what's cool about that product? Other than the Derrick Rose Magic Johnson dual autograph that you're holding, is that set actually came with uh, money in it. So you could pull a card, like a rip card, like an Allen and Ginter, $100 bill. Really? Get it? Top's treasury, like the money. It actually came with money in the packs. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Listen, the, the Tops products back then, they don't make them like they used to, but yeah. I would, oh man, I'd love to get my hands on a box of that to rip. Huh. Okay. That's a fun little, look at what you find on Crosstown Cardboard. A little treasure. I like it. And that's uh, Magic and Rose. That's a cool combination. Magic and Rose. And I don't know, this is either the only card that they're both on or one of the very few with these two, you know, and this is uh, Derek Rose's rookie year. So mm-hmm. kind of a, kind of a cool deal there. And everyone uh, knows you're a dual autograph guy. I'm big into dual autos. All of a sudden you see uh, Dennis and Kevin Garnett. All right. So Craig, we covered, you know, Halloween. We covered a little bit of off topic, New York stuff, which, you know, off topic for us is on topic and we covered our pickups. So what do we have here about how to act right at a card show? So I want to try to cover some topics that you maybe might not hear elsewhere. Um, for example, right off the bat, my question for you, Carmine, and maybe you didn't even think about this, but when you are set up at the San Francisco card show on November yeah. 12th, do you plan on sitting at your table or standing at your table? This is a great question. Um, and I think it all depends on the vibe. I think a lot of this is going to depend on the feeling in the room, how many people are there, so I'm hoping it's really busy. 250 tables and San Francisco, you know, which is in TV terms, you know, it's a top 10 market as far as population in that area in the country. And so I feel like I'll be standing because I'm hoping to be wheeling and dealing, meeting a lot of people who don't have that much time. It's kind of a little bit quicker paced, I'm assuming, with with a lot of people in the South San Francisco Conference Center. So for this one, I'll be standing. If it was a lot less busy and, you know, people are coming by every once in a while, sitting might be a better option. Yeah, fair. I mean, look, that's a pretty vague question. But the reason I bring that up is you know, it, it's hard to stand for nine hours. You're going to get really tired. And that's probably why I usually get a headache after I set up at card shows. But the reason I say that is because I always find that the people who are up and standing, it's like they're ready to engage in conversation. They're ready to greet you. Nothing wrong with sitting like, yeah, we need to give our legs a rest, but it just uh, it's a little more welcoming. I have found when I see yeah. a vendor and they're standing, it's like they're excited. They're engaged. They, they want not just your business, but to, to interact. And, yeah. you know, you you being a social, you know, outgoing person, I anticipate you will have a lot of good conversation. So I'm curious. Now, now it's going to be in your head, the sitting standing thing. I want you to look around and notice what others are doing. Yeah, because I have to, you know, read the room and kind of get that feel. So speaking of sitting or standing when you're behind the dealer table, I wanted to flip it back and ask you this question, Craig. When somebody comes up to your table, and of course, you're mostly doing shows in the Northeast, what's your style of greeting that person? Or, you know, how do you first engage the person when they come to your table? 
So another question I had for you was, do you plan on engaging in conversation or are you going to be all business? I personally, I make it a point, no matter who it is, I try to say hello, kind of ask the person how they're doing, get to know the person before you make a deal. And you'd be surprised at how many people don't do that. And it is all business. Again, I'm only talking about the small sample size of shows I've been to. But generally speaking, if you're going to go buy from someone, wouldn't you want to buy from someone who's taking an interest in you, taking an interest in what you like and just getting to know the person first? That's how you create. That's networking, right? That's how you create conversation. If your conversation is all price, business, cards, I don't know, maybe that person might not leave your table with a good feeling. So take your time to ask the person how their day's doing, how their show's going, find out, you know, who or what they collect. And then naturally the deals start to, you know, emerge. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. As far as the second I feel if I'm, a customer or if I'm somebody walking the show, the second I feel somebody's pushing a card on me, I get the ick. And I don't know if you've heard that term before, but my girlfriend told me about it. Thankfully she hasn't felt it about me yet, but it's like when somebody does something and you're turned off. Right. And then it's kind of like, it's hard to come back from that. So if I feel somebody's pushing that on me and I don't know, I would love to get your feel of this Craig. And I've mainly been to much slower shows than what you've been to like Portland, Southern Oregon, Northern California, you know, 10 to 15 tables. Portland was like 50. That was, you know, much more. But usually somebody comes up to my table and, you know, I have my display case. I have my box with cheaper cards. I have some of my mid-range cards laid out and they're looking and I'll just say, hey, sir, how you doing? And they'll say, pretty good. How about you? And I'll say, oh, not bad. Pretty good. And I'll just let them look like I, you know, or if you walk into a store and somebody comes up, Hey, can I help you guys? Oh, we're just looking around. Okay. And then, and then I want to be left alone usually. So that's, that's what I try to do. And then, you know, if they're wearing some type of sports memorabilia, if they got a certain team, Oh, you like the Knicks, man, we got to get rid of Julius Randle or whatever, you know, might come up if they're wearing a certain team but I usually like to let them just look. I don't know what you what you think about the next level after greeting somebody. How do you proceed from there? Depends on the person too. You know, even though you and I are a little more, we're people, we're, you're like a people's person. You like to talk. Not everybody is, you know? So some people just want to look, but at least the hello, at least the how are you doing? And it's like you walk into a clothing store. How would you feel if nobody greets you and doesn't give you the time of day? I'd be turned off, you know? Um, Another important question I want to ask you, do you plan, and I know you know the prices of all your cards in your head, do you plan on putting sticker prices on your cards or not? Because I can make an argument for both. Great, great question. And I always put my sticker prices on my cards. And I would love to hear what you think about whether or not, like the pros and cons. Uh, You know, like, for example, I have this Vince Carter logo, man. Sick. I, like that. I have 550 on there, game used. And then, you know, the, like this Jamal Murray, RPA, Immaculate, uh, at a 99, I have 500, which is a little high now. So I might have to reprice my cards before heading to San Francisco. But I always put my prices on my cards because 
personally, and I try to get in the mind of if I was a buyer, if I was coming up to your table, how would I like to be treated? Almost like the golden rule, but for cards. And I want to know a baseline of where you're at on your price. Because if you're, you know, if you're 50% over comps, I'm not even going to start the conversation on that card. If you're around comps like 10% higher or so, then at least that gives us a starting point to have a conversation. And I don't want everybody to be asking like, where are you at on this? Where are you at on this? And then all the conversation is centered on is where you're at on your card price-wise, rather than like you mentioned, if they're just scanning the cards and they see price, 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 price on every card. Now we can talk about a little bit more of either the players or whatever team they like, and more so like whatever conversation comes up rather than mainly focusing around the price of the card. So I, I, I always price my stuff personally, but I would love yeah. to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I've, I've definitely done shows where I've priced and I've done shows where I haven't, and I can't really recall if there was much of a difference Obviously, okay. by pricing everything, you avoid having to ask, how much is this? How much is this? How much is this? Right. But if someone sees a price on a card they like, they may be turned off already. But the the argument for not pricing it would be, if you know someone's interested in a card, they're going to ask about it. But, you know, if there's no price on it. Right. Um, the other thing, and I kind of found myself sometimes, if I'm looking at an Instagram story or a Facebook post, looking at uh, cards and... I will look at the price almost at the same time as the card, which kind of clouds whether or not I really want it. So I try when I'm looking at cards sometimes to ignore the price, just look at the card and say, okay, forget about what the price is. Is this a card I would want? And then I would look at the price. That way okay. the, the price of it isn't you know affecting whether or not I actually want it. I think you're making the right move in pricing them. It cancels out a lot of unnecessary conversation and back and forth. It gives you a place to start. And I think customers will appreciate that. So smart move there. Well, thanks, Craig. And I was also thinking, you know, I kind of wanted to touch a little bit more on this because our buddies over at Cousins Collectibles made a great point about card show etiquette or just, I mean, really just general respect for the other person who's enjoying this hobby with you. Like if you're either texting or Instagramming or whatever you're doing on your phone, you're not looking up to greet the person, you know, look them in the eye, give them the time of day, like you mentioned, give them respect when they come to your table. It seems like they're doing you a favor by trying to have you sell them a card. It's like, you definitely don't want to take that approach. I mean, I think every single person should be greeted and, you know, at least the hello, how's it going? You know, something like that. And then, you know, similar to what you said, uh, about reading the person. Like you could tell if somebody either is kind of perusing, they might be open a conversation. If they start a conversation with you even easier, or you could tell if somebody just, you know, is giving you shorter answers. They just want to be left alone and look around, which nothing wrong with that either. So I was curious, are you going to price your cards going forward? Or do you, do you, you know, plan to go back and forth on that? I probably will in the pricing them. Honestly, I find it fun pricing them too. Going going yeah. through previous sales and comping. It's fun. It's very uh therapeutic in a way. You did reference Cousins Collectibles. I want to shout out Tony for getting his swagger back. Oh, he did. I know he was in the dumps. He was talking about some mishaps in the card world. Tony's back. So shout out cousin Tony and cousin Oz. Okay, the people's mailman and cousin Tony, the architect. You already know. Um 
All right, another thing. When you are planning on selling a card at a card show, uh-huh. do you plan on giving a little background about the card itself? What I mean by that is there you have a Kevin Garnett, Dennis Rodman dual autograph right behind you. Right. Will you do you consciously plan on telling someone who's interested in that this came from this set this year? It's upper deck, it's game worn. You don't really find a lot of duels of this guy. Like, how important is it for you to give more of a background about that card, the set, the year, to educate the person before they're buying it? Is that something that you have done in the past? Oh, yeah. I think that's huge. I think that's huge because every card has a story. And I think, like, you know, if it's something obvious, then I wouldn't bring it up. Like, but there's so many things to say about that card, which, if you're telling, I, w- I would be very conscious of telling the story of the card and why you like it rather than here's why you should buy it, which is a small difference. But like I said before, if you get that feeling where this person's pushing the card on you, then, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit more of a contentious situation. But if you're just explaining why you think the card is cool, which going back a few episodes, that's another reason why I referenced buying things you like. If I'm just telling you why I think this card's cool, you know, these two guys were, had so much attitude and, you know, I've done a lot of research and this is the only dual auto I can find of Kevin Garnett and Dennis Rodman on the same card. They might be like, wow, that's so cool. You know, but that's why I think it's cool. So, you know, that I, I wouldn't just come up with any reason to talk more about the card, but if it's something unique like that, then I'll have a story to back it up you know, uh, and kind of explain a little bit more. The reason I think that's so important too, is if you're relatively new to the hobby, all you know is Panini, right? You don't know yeah. upper deck basketball, tops basketball, flare basketball. So all you're doing is educating people on these older sets because I grew up with all the mid 2000s, like 2000, 2010, all these various basketball yeah. products, Fleer maximum, but yeah, you know, it, it was different then, but it, it helps broaden people's horizons on what is available. Yeah, like ultimate collection, exquisite. Now, let me flip it on you, Craig. As far as, uh, you know, more more on the card show uh, side, where do you price your cards? Because we mentioned, you know, both of us, you're a math teacher. We both really like the numbers and the research behind putting our prices on cards. If you're laying them out either in a story sale or on Facebook or at a card show, you see a comp, how does that affect your pricing? Where do you price your cards? It's not a perfect science, but it's got to be a combination, some sort of combination of comps and what you paid. Yeah. You know, in, in, in a perfect world, you're making money on everything. You're making money on a card you sell. That's not always the case. But like you said, if you try to list something 50% over comps, it's not, no one's going to sell it. So some sort of some sort of middle ground between the two. I I try to pick up stuff that again doesn't really have a, a ton of recent sales, but you you want the customer to be happy, right? You want them to get a card at a reasonable price that they like. So if you have to take a loss on it, is what it is. I I like I always say if I'm selling a card at a show, I want it. I want my table to be the cheapest place you could find that card. If you can go buy this card on eBay right now for 50 bucks, why would I sell it for 60? 
You know, I want this yeah. one to be the cheapest available. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's a tough, that's a tough one too. Cause you might run into a situation like I did with this Gronkowski where, you know, you buy it and the comps are at a certain level. This uh, is a Rob Gronkowski on the Buccaneers Panini one matchless on card auto at a 10. So when I bought it, it was, you know, at a good price. I bought it for like three fifty. but now there's a sale, you know, of a Panini one Gronk out of four out of five out of 10. And they're all like 250, 275, 225. So I'm going to have to reprice it to be more competitive. I feel like I usually, just to explain my side on the pricing, I usually go like maybe 10% over comps just to have a little room. So even if we end up selling, let's say for 90% of comps, it'll feel like we negotiated to more of a middle ground and you got a better deal. But I don't, you never want to offend somebody with your price. Like you said, I mean, you could turn them off in a snap if your prices are just way too high. Agreed. Uh, Last two points kind of related here. One of them regarding kids at card shows. If you are a dealer at a card show, uh, this is very easy for me to say. I work with kids every single day. You have to go out of your way to make the experience better for a child. Yes. If you are, if you are grumpy you don't give them the time of day. That 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 is a bad memory that that kid is forming. But if you are super nice to the a kid, you ask them what they like, you give them a card or two. Trust me, that kid's gonna remember that. I remember going to card shows when I was eight or nine. I remember vendors who are still around to this day who were nice to me. It, it, kindness goes a long way. You see a child, give them a free card, talk to them, look at their collection, tell them how cool it is, even if it's not your cup of tea. Make that kid's experience as great as you can. Even if the other tables aren't, that kid's going to remember that. He's going to come back to shows. Similarly, when someone comes to you with a box, hey, are you buying? Hey, are you looking? One, I think you're crazy to say no to that. Right. Because you never know what you're going to find. Don't judge a book by their cover. Someone comes up to your table. You never know what kind of grails they're sitting on. Two, you look at it. It may be a bunch of junk. It takes two seconds to say, Hey, you got some really cool stuff right here. It's just not for me. Thank you for showing me. Instead of just, nah, I'm, I'm good. So so yeah. both of those the kids and the people coming over, it just comes into to back to etiquette at the show, just being kind. Give, giving people even a minute, a time of day. So even if they weren't able to sell, sell anything like they were trying to, at least you had a positive experience for them. Couldn't agree more. And I love how, you know, passionate and you know clearly you were really meaning that and and that's that's great and that's what i think you know the the few people right now we have like you know 250 listeners across three episodes that's the type of meaningful stuff that we really want to put out there and just to piggyback and add more onto that great point craig a guy came up at the portland show and he's like oh i got all these old cards would you mind taking a look? Of course, I said yes, because you never know what can happen. And it's just a fun time looking through cards. So I ended up picking up this uh, triple photo of, Sick. you know, Never three awesome guys of Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird and the iconic Dream Team photo shoot. You know, the passing of the torch between Larry Bird, Magic and then passing the torch to Michael Jordan. And then, of course, you know, he went on to win six titles. But uh, this is probably like a $15, $20 card. And 
um, the guy had it in his collection. And I've always loved this photo and the video about, you know, they're joking around with each other in the photo shoot. And so I just ended up picking up one card from him and, uh, you know, just a pretty cool uh, superstars edition is what it's called. But um, yeah, so that that goes back to your point. And then another quick point on that. I was at the Mount Shasta card show in uh, Mount Shasta, California, Northern California at a high school. Eight the Mount table. Shasta card show at Mount Shasta. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly, I mean, how do they come up with these names? <laughs> so the wordplay is incredible. And uh, but anyway, I was, you know, some of the kids there were ripping cards and then they were just bringing up whatever they ripped, trying to trade me. And they're like, hey, do you want this? It's like base cards of, you know, whatever football year. And uh, so this kid comes up a couple of times. He's like, hey, I really want that Herbert. And so we're like negotiating. It was like a ten dollar rookie herbert like an absolute herbert and uh you know he came up one time and i was like oh, i'm not really interested in that and then the second time he came up i was like just take the herbert just it's free it's yours and he's like what oh my goodness i can't believe it thank you so much and like you just spoke to that's hopefully a memory that he'll have you know for like a five or ten dollar card that gave this kid a a jolt of excitement bringing him in or her in, you know, in a, in a different situation to a hobby that we love to continue to grow that community and, and provide an opportunity for those great, like heartwarming moments. I know it sounds corny, but I mean, there's not that many avenues where you can have an impact on somebody's life and cards is one of them. So you're a man of the people. Yeah. Um, I think we pretty much covered again. We tried to cover some parts about being at a card show that I, I don't really hear others discuss. So hopefully that resonates with some people. Um, but on that note that you just said, uh, we are two sessions into card club at my high school. We Let's go. Pretty, we had a pretty good turnout for the first one. Uh, we had a meeting today that I texted very last minute, kind of like whoever's around stick after school, but I'm starting to see the handful of kids who are really into it. We got the cards in their hands. We're starting to teach teach them basic stuff like what a game-worn card is, what a graded card is, the difference in parallels. Like you got this green parallel that's numbered, this orange parallel that's numbered. But I have to remind myself that trying to teach someone all about cards is not going to take one session. It's not going to take two sessions. It's going to take a long time. But the engagement is there. The kids are staying after school. We got the cards in their hands, and I look forward to more meetings. That's great. That's great to hear. I mean, speaking of it, having an impact on kids, that is a major one that you've been, you know, having for a couple of years. How long is Card Club, which, by the way, if you're just tuning in, this might be your first episode. Card Club is a club that Craig started in the New York City Public School District at his high school. And, uh, you know, just an after school club where kids come and a lot of donations for free cards. They rip packs and stuff like that. I mean, it's your club, Craig. So what should people know about like what you initially teach these kids at card club. I mean, you mentioned the game used cards, but like what are the baselines to start learning about cards? Cause we did that, you know, 20 years ago now. Well, the idea is really just to create like a safe space for them to hang out. The, the way I describe it best is if you want to go hang out with some friends and go grab a beer and talk sports, we're hanging out. But instead of grabbing a beer, we're looking at cards, we're looking at cards, we're hanging, we're talking sports, and then a little bit of the conversation goes to like, oh, here's how much this card is worth. Oh, here's where you could sell the cards. Oh, but let's not forget, it's not all about the money, so make sure you collect the players 
and the teams that you like. I try to always reemphasize that point. So they're not all just like tunnel vision about the money, but it's been, it's been fun so far. It's a whole new crop of students. They have a lot to learn. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be another successful year at the club. And what are these kids looking for? Like what players, what sports? I mean, who are the like top guys, you know, cause we're me and you are a little bit more old school dudes as I feel like we're old souls. I mean, only being me 28 and you freshly 30. What are like, what's the, what's the ear to the ground on, on these high school kids? Like, what are they looking for? It's early, but I've heard multiple Steph Curry, John Morant, and actually a lot of New York Mets. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I'll start to make some requests perhaps uh, once I find out what certain play uh, students want. Cause I'm like, Hey, if you guys want a player, let me know. I will do my best to try to find it. Okay. Yeah. That sounds but, great. Uh, I mean, John Morant, John Morant makes a lot of sense for, I mean, he's so exciting. They're growing up with, with watching him. Right. So this is, this is their guy, but um, come on. I think next week I've tried not to do too much soccer talk yet, but the world cup is three weeks away whether it's next week or the Vamos, one after, Vamos. we're going to have to get into a little soccer talk. I love soccer. Hey, as you know, I am a one-year fan of FC Barcelona after going to uh, Spain on a friend's wedding. So why don't we give a little preview, Craig? I mean, you have the, the card of Ronaldo and Messi behind you. What should some non-soccer fans, which are probably most people listening, what should they expect about the World Cup that's right around the corner in Qatar? I think we should save that for next week. Oh Maybe gosh. a little preview. I am going to make it simple for non-soccer players to most easily understand and give some entryways if you want to get into soccer cards. How about that little teaser for next week? Okay. And I, uh, I'll hold on to a soccer card of a goat that I have. I don't know if you've seen it, but I'm not going to reveal it just yet. Okay. It's uh, You know how we did the Mount Rushmore mm. last week? Yeah. This guy would be on the Mount Rushmore of soccer, I'm pretty sure. Okay. I look forward to seeing that. All right. Any last words before we sign off there, partner? Uh, keep uh, keep the feedback coming. Keep the questions coming. However many people listen to this, like we always say, this is fun. We just enjoy talking about cards. And uh, hopefully you got something out of this episode. Yes. And you got the importance of the connections, hopefully, through the card show etiquette and how to act right. Boom. All right. See you in a week for episode five. We're growing fast. Almost double digits. We're closing in. All right. Crosstown Cardboard. Out. Peace.